0: Lord, our hearts have soared together to bring glory to you, to ascribe to you what is due to you, all glory and praise. Uh, Our joy is overflowing because of your great love that you have shown to us, not because we deserve it, Lord, but because of your worth and your value. You have shown how incredible a God you are. To love us in this way. To send your Son, the greatest gift the world has ever been given. A gift of love. A a gift that came with such a high cost to you. A gift that when received changes everything. And so, Father, we celebrate Jesus today. We celebrate this arrival. And we look back those 2,000 years ago at that morning, That that joy of the arrival of the King of Kings as a little baby. And we know everything changed as that took place. The fulfillment of all of those prophecies spoken. The anticipation of your arrival now complete. And then the work had just begun. Just 30 years later, the giving of his life. The raising up from the dead. And the victory over sin and Satan and death and hell to all who believe. And here we are, Lord. Your church sings your praise today. And around the world, Lord, we join the chorus of this celebration that's already been going for hours and hours. We join with the saints of old, and we join with those who will come long after we're gone to sing your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Prince of Peace. You know, it's interesting at Christmas time, there's a lot of talk about peace, and uh, yet there's something missing, isn't it? No matter how hard we try, it's just not what it should be, right? I mean, just think the perfect Christmas, okay? How about trying to take your Christmas picture? You, you get all dressed up and everything there, right? You get everybody together, and it's like, okay, on the count of three, one, two, and then someone you know, sneezes or closes their eyes. It, you, you just struggle to get that perfect picture. Or that perfect meal. you work and work, everybody comes over, and then things are just, they're just not what they ought to be, are they? Some of you have come after a week that has been a struggle. You've walked through pain and heartache. Some of you are coming alone this morning. You, you've lost folks that you love. Some of you are coming in the middle of crisis in your marriage or crisis with a child or in a family situation, a dynamic. Christmas is not easy sometimes. You turn on the news. Oh, There's no peace in most of those reports. Hmm. Financial struggles, workplace challenges. Here's the thing. Let's say you go to work and everything is amazing and you get everything that you work so hard for and then you still come to this place and you say, ah, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What is missing? It's the missing piece. The reality is is that as much as we long to see peace on earth, it is not part of our current reality. It's something that we share a longing for. We all, if we listen and tune in, we have this common bond. We, we have this longing for peace. We all have this, this very keen awareness that something has gone dreadfully wrong. Something is missing. The irony of, of uh, our longing is, is that we can long all we want, but the reality is, is the peace that we're looking for is not simply out there in here too. There's problems in here. I'll never forget that one basketball player, Ron Artest. Is any any basketball fans here? Remember Ron Artest played for the Lakers? He had the longing for world peace, didn't he? He changed his name to world peace. So if you could see on the back of his jersey right here, it says meta world peace. That's his name now. And he was on a mission to encourage and bring about world peace. Uh, well, until his anger got the best of him. And in the middle of a basketball game, he lost his temper and raised his elbow. And if, I, if this was a video clip, it, it's just amazing. He lets loose an elbow and he knocks James Harden flat on the basketball court. And as he walks away like this, he, the guy's laying on the floor. He's walking away broadcasting world peace. And I just couldn't. I was like, I can't believe I just watched that happen. That's the. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We can want for world. We can change our name to world peace. The problem is, it's not enough. Because there's something inside of us that needs to be addressed. Peace, according to the dictionary, is a freedom from disturbance. Uh, the absence, you might say, of conflict. Sometimes people think about peace like, like light and dark. Peace is uh, similar to, to, to darkness. If there's no light there, well, that's dark. If there's no conflict there, well, that's peace. But that's not quite enough, is it? I like the Hebrew word shalom. You heard the kids use this word this morning. The Hebrew word shalom is far bigger than our, our word for peace. It, it builds it out. It's it's a welfare, a completeness, a wholeness. In fact, if you dig deeper, you find that they say in, in this, this use of shalom, it's not simply the lack of conflict or hostility, but the presence of unity, even blessing, this restoration of, of what harmony should be. That's peace. That's what we long for. One of the least paid attention to aspects of peace is the vertical, right? The peace with God. We often will limit our our longing to that which we see and, and experience on this plane, the horizontal. It's peace with others, peace with other people that we know, or maybe peace with our past, things that have been done to us, horrible things, or things that we have done, sins that we have committed. How do we find peace with that? Some of you have come this morning struggling to find peace in the present. How do I find peace when the circumstances are so heavy and difficult and challenging? How do I find peace with my future? All of us will face death. Some of us will face face death sooner than we realize. How can a person... Find a place of peace when you consider that death is coming. What does it look like? Is it possible? I would suggest that this celebration of the birth of Jesus is the answer to every single aspect of this. He is the Prince of Peace in all of these ways, and only He is. He is the answer to all of this. But the question begs, as we rewind the tape, how did we get here? Why is the news a constant loop of horrific displays of sin and depravity? Why is it that when a child, a cute little baby is born, not baby Jesus, but every other baby, why is it so instinctual that they would be selfish they would say mine they would be mean to other kids that they would lie or steal what is it what is that and why is it in us from conception to the grave why does the world know so little peace it's an important question to ask and i think sometimes our great enemy is so successful at wrapping us up in the busyness of holiday season, in the um, market-driven sales pitch of a Christmas season, that our focus can lose sight of the most important things about Christmas. What's the main thing about Christmas? It's real simple. It's the Prince of Peace. And the question must be asked, do we have that? Do we know that kind of peace? Or are we just trying to ignore the reality? Are we trying to avoid the question? Well, let's ask it together this morning and journey through some scriptures together. Where did things go so wrong? I want to begin with a different prince, the prince of pride, not the prince of peace, Lucifer himself. He was created by God in those six days of creation. He was created with all the hosts of angels. But Lucifer was magnificent. He was spectacular. And in his pride, he welled up in pride and saw the glory of God and said, I want that for me. And he launched a rebellion in heaven. And a third of the angels followed him in this rebellion. And they were cast out of heaven and thrown down to the earth. The prince of pride. In the fall of mankind. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read that God is, in fact, the creator of all things. He made everything that is. their are thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, things in heaven, things on earth. All things were created by him. And they exist for him to his glory. That's Jesus himself, the second member of the Godhead. He is the, the one who uh, the Father created through. So God is, in fact, the author of life. He owns this dirt. This is his planet. And you are his creation. Therefore, he has as creator, Lord of heaven and earth, he has every right to say this is how things are to be. And the way he orders life is in consistent display of his glory, his character. So that which he commands us to is an expression of the goodness that he is. That is what his commandments are. They're expressions of his gifts to us, his goodness. He looked upon all that he had made and he he stepped back at the end of day six and he said, behold, that is very good. Hmm. How do we get from there to here? What happened? Well, we read, about a declaration of war that took place in Genesis chapter 3. There was a tree that he planted in the middle of the garden, and he said, this is my tree. This is my tree. You are not to eat the fruit of this tree. You can have this garden. It's all yours. All of this is yours, but not this tree. Do not eat of this tree. If you eat of this tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will know good from evil. You will die. You will surely die. Temptation came. Lucifer, that slippery snake, the prince of pride, he came in and he planted seeds of doubt. And Eve went over to the tree, the forbidden tree, and she disobeyed the command of God. She took of that tree and ate. And standing next to her was her husband Adam, and she gave to him, and he did the same. That act was a declaration of war. It was The first shot in the hostility of humanity against their creator. War was declared. The curse was set down in Genesis 3. Death entered the world as a result. A righteous punishment for rebellion and sin. The curse, you you will die. You came from the dust and you're going back to the dust because sin must be punished spiritual death that means every child born from that point on is a spiritual stillborn there's no life it's just death there's there's no spiritual life in children born the only spiritual life that anyone on this earth knows is that which is given by god at the moment of salvation so here's the challenge of our day There are fewer and fewer places willing to discuss the problem. We can talk about love. We can talk about peace. We can talk about grace and mercy. But if we don't establish war, hostility, enmity, sin, separation, and hell, then saved from what is the question? Why is Christmas such a joy? I'll tell you why. Because if that child hadn't been born, we would be hopelessly lost. Sinners like you and me are by default self-worshippers, not God-worshippers. We are glory thieves, not glory givers. We break laws instinctually. It's in us. We are rebels at heart. We are People driven along with hearts that are idle factories. We can worship and bend the knee to anything and everything except for the one who deserves our worship, and that is God himself. We are self-serving. We love darkness. We hate light because it exposes our evil deeds. This is the nature of rebellion and sin. And friends, this is our reality apart from God's work in us. This This is us. Scriptures teach that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. This is proven true in Genesis 3, but it's proven true in our lives as well. Your family tree is evidence enough, in fact, that this is true. The good news isn't that impressive unless we first force ourselves to consider the bad news, the reality of our situation apart from God we because of our sin and our rebellion we share not only in the the original sin but by choice personally as soon as we can sin we do don't we we do because of sin we are separated from God God is holy he is righteous he is not one who can just be like oh sin no big deal come on buddy let's hang out still sin is separating He is holy and righteous. He is also just, which means that the separation of sin has as as an effect this, this curse that falls. He is opposed to sin. We are thrown into the darkness of our own making. And we walk through a world that is fragmented and broken and shattered and falling apart. It is exactly why the news report is the way it is. It's because of sin. Because of sin. When was the last time the news acknowledged that? Don't expect it. Satan, the prince of pride, has been given dominion on this earth for a season. Now, he is nothing before the the almighty sovereign God. But God has allowed him to have rule and reign right now on this earth to to a degree, right? He has the world captive in his grip. And all those who are not saved are slaves of the dark and of sin. Maybe the most significant reality that we have to acknowledge is that death is not the final word either. After death, there is an eternal wrath-filled punishment that comes from God. It's called hell. Just think about who God is. He is just. I mean, He's the perfect judge. He is holy. And in all of this, He is right and righteous. So the offense is going to be met with Just retribution. And what is the just retribution that is required for the nature of the offense? The offense is so great that eternity is required. With the overflowing wrath of God being poured out day after day after day. On sinners, rebels. In the fires of hell. In our day, there is not enough fear of hell. There is not enough feel of the the flames on our face. We need to smell the smoke of eternal fire. More. You say, well, pastor, that sounds like some of the uh, the hellfire and brimstone of the past. And I would venture to say, in fact, that not all the hellfire and brimstone of the past was out of place. It is the nature of, of our reality, our situation. Apart from God, we are doomed. We are a part of the problem right in here. Darkness, alienation, hostility. We are at war with God. Listen to how Paul writes in Ephesians 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. How was that walk? What did that walk look like? Well, you followed the course of this world, worldliness. You followed the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's that's a title for us in our sin. We once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, did whatever we wanted to do, right? We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind wow now if that's where the revelation of god's word ended we would be hopeless thankfully verse four goes on we won't cover that yet but that's past tense somehow what's happened what's the reality how is it going to change Sum it up. Left to ourselves, our will. You want to discern your will? Your will on your own is hell-bent on rebellion. And you will, if left to yourself, you will run to the fires of hell with all your might. So will I. Apart from God's unbelievable grace and love, meeting us in our depravity, that's exactly what we want and that's exactly what we will get from Him. Our desire is for darkness, not light. We do not seek righteousness. We are by nature children of wrath. We are, my friends, at war with God. And here's a question that we have to ask: Has God ever lost a war? He doesn't lose. He's God. We have to acknowledge the reality of the situation. We we cannot just skip through life and pretend that there's peace when there is no peace. Now, there's a few responses that our world suggests. These are satanic responses. These are responses that, that fit well for those who don't want light, who want to, 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 to try to appease the situation. Here's what I'm calling the head-in-the-sand response. It's gaining popularity in our day. Here's what you do. You pretend like nothing's wrong. You just create your own reality. There's no problem. What? Peace? Oh, yeah, it's great. Turn off the news. Right? Don't ever lay in your bed at night and think deeply. Just try to ignore the problem and and hope it goes away. And then work as hard as you can to convince yourself that there is no God, that there is no evil, that there is no uh, such thing as sin or offense against Him, that there is no real consequence or justice from him. It's a very successful attack. It says in the Bible that the fool says in his heart there is no God. It's a foolish suggestion to come to. It also says in the Bible in Romans 1 that everybody knows there is a God, and they see evidence of him everywhere they look, and yet they they try to sear their conscience and convince themselves that there is no God. But at the end of the day, Even the strongest atheist, even an anti-theist, when he lays in bed at night, he knows there is a God. There is a God. The head in the sand approach is foolish. There's another approach. I'll call this the religious activity response. Back even today, in our day, this is wildly popular. Every world religion that parts from Christ alone as hope is exactly what this is. It is, hey, listen, you're you feeling like there's an issue? You're lacking peace? Here's what you need to do. You need to, to work harder. It's on you. Perform, right? Hey, be a good person. Good, good compared to who? How, like, how do I know You don't, so keep working. Right? Keep coming to church. Keep doing things. It's all about activity. Prove yourself. Show yourself worthy. If you climb up the stairs on your knees and you beat a chain against your back all the way up, maybe then somehow he'll look and say, oh, that poor pitiful sinner. Maybe I won't send him to hell after all. The craziest things have been done with this approach. And... The most civil, upstanding, impressive things have been done with this approach. The Pharisees were quite impressed with themselves. Jesus, however, was not. They worked to clean the outside of the glass spotless while the glass was packed full of mud on the inside. Religious activity doing things to try to earn your way and justify yourself, make yourself good enough before God, will never work. I'll tell you why. I can tell you authoritatively. Because it says in Galatians 2, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. No one. You can never be good enough. You can't. It's as silly as lining up on the edge of the Grand Canyon. You get everybody lined up there and you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get religion and we're all going to muster up our strength and we're going to do everything we can. We're going to get a, a running start and as, as hard as you can, you run and then you just jump and you've got to cross that gap. That's the separation of your sin. That is the, the wages of wrath that you have stored up because of your offenses and sins. Everybody jump. You might make it. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. We we, we have to see how absolutely insane it is to try to earn our way right with God. Can't do it. Left to ourselves, we are doomed to perish under the righteous wrath of God. We cannot save ourselves unless we conclude that Jesus is not that impressive. We have to acknowledge our desperate need of saving. We have to see things for the way they really are in our world. We don't have peace, and we are far from it. That's the bad news. Now, we should collectively be feeling pretty heavy at this point. Some of you are like, wow, okay, this is a Christmas service. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Feel really inspired. Okay. This is where we must go in our day. How slow we are to deal in reality. So here we are. Lord, we need saving. We're hopeless. We face eternal fire and wrath from you rightly and justly because you are good. We deserve this. You see that? We have to see that. He does not owe us anything but fire and eternal hell. Now, it's in that, it's in that darkness, it's in that despair, it's in that hopelessness that the promise comes. The promise of peace comes. Listen to what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus' birth. Okay, think of this. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words 700 years before Jesus was born. He is speaking of this, this arrival. And he says this The people who walked in darkness, that's us, have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness. You see what he's trying to point out? It's dark on them this light is shined. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Can't you just hear the Hallelujah chorus in there? Belting that out. I got stuck looping on that. You go, it's dangerous. If you get looping on that over and over, you can't get out of that. It's just... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And, and then I realized that I'd learned the bass line. I don't even know the melody. <laughs> so, Brian, you're going to have to help me, man. What an awesome piece. Those throughout history have celebrated exactly these titles. This, this is our Savior, the Prince of Peace. Why is he called the Prince of Peace? Listen to the, the words show up again in the proclamation of the angels uh, when they send the shepherds to uh, the nativity, just like we saw the kids unfold for us. The angel said to them, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And we need saving. A Savior who is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, now listen to what they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. Peace. Oh. The realization of our longing is found in the delivery of of the Christ child peace among those with whom he is pleased and then we read in John 3:16 for God so loved the world now that should blow our minds if that first part of that verse does not just blow you away you have you you've forgotten our our situation he loves us the rebels Those who are hostile, the haters of God, insolent, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil. He loved us. What did He do? He loved us such that He gave. He gave. That's why we give presents. You realize that? The reason you give presents on Christmas is because of that right there. The Father gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him, it's a very different approach than the religious activity, performance approach. This is just simply belief. Just believe. Should what? Should not perish. Rightly, justly, under wrath, but have eternal life instead. Have peace with God forever. Wow. Wow. Jesus said a few years later after his birth, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we're suggesting that there's more than one way to find peace with God, let Jesus himself tell you, no, there's only one way. There's only one way. It's right through me. Trust in me. Depend upon me. I am the way, the truth, the life. Now the Prince of Peace and the price he paid, let's consider this. I just want to have the scripture bring us just a blast of glory and and, and awe about the work of Christ because we can't ever separate the, the cradle and the cross. It's the manger that points us to the cross and the empty tomb. Okay, listen to this. In Christ Jesus, you, that's all of us, who were once far off, have been brought near. How? How is that? What's the the nature of God bringing us near? It's by the blood of Christ. For Jesus himself is our peace. He is our peace. We are brought near to God by the cross. Christ by the by his blood what's he mean Colossians 1 19 through 22 for in him in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven and how did he do it what was the the accomplishment of this purchase of peace he did it by making peace by the blood of his cross you who were once alienated and hostile in mind. That's us doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order that he may present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Wow. Jesus was sent as the substitute sacrifice. He, he was sent by the Father. We've we got to remember how the Trinity functions in this. God the Father is filled with wrath against us, rightly so. We've stored it up. And instead of pouring wrath upon us, He pours love upon us. And He sends His Son, and He sends His Son on a mission to live the life that we have not lived, to die a death spilling His blood that would pay for that wrath that we had stored up against Him. And then He would die our death and be buried. And after three days, raised from the grave. You know why? Because Jesus never sinned. He said, it is finished. And He gave up His Spirit and He died. The payment was made in full. What's the goal of this? The goal is God. The goal of the Father sending His Son to pay for us, to purchase us back from wrath, from the the dead, from our hell that we have chosen, is that we get God. He brings us back to the Father to be in relationship with God. If we're thinking Grand Canyon, the Father God sends His Son to be the bridge that we depend upon by faith, stepping out and trusting as we step across the chasm, the, the, the hell of our choosing is bridged by the cross of Christ. His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. And we can, by faith, walk across that bridge and return to the Father. Be close once again, have intimacy, know what it means to be called son and daughter, no longer enemy, seated at your table. All of this through Jesus and only through Jesus. Now, here is the verse from Isaiah that just struck me as I considered the peace that we know in Christ. Surely He, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. You see this? I sin, and Jesus pays the penalty for it, not me. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that I deserved. And because, of he, because he took it, we have peace with God. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, the Father, laid on the Son the iniquity of us all. And he paid it in full that is an amazing love that is something so significant that history itself would be parted by it Th- that's something so incredible that when a person truly understands how significant it is they are changed it is the difference between hell and heaven it is the difference between walking for yourself and living for the glory of God. It is everything. And it's Christmas. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. Therefore, Paul writes in Romans 5.1, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This is what we've been longing for. This is what we've been wondering about. Can we have this? Is it possible? The answer is yes. Only through Jesus justified by faith. This is different, isn't it, than religious rigor and activity, than working hard, being a good person, trying to be good enough, trying to measure up. This is simply saying, listen, I put all of my trust in Jesus. I turn from my sin, and I trust Him to be my Savior. I I, I have no other hope except for Christ alone. And in that, this rebel is declared by the Father God to be righteous righteous everywhere that Christ obeyed is credited as my obedience everywhere that I sinned is set upon Christ and paid in full and removed as far as east is from the west i am looked upon now through faith in jesus as white as snow a new creation forgiven a son Adopted into his family. Friends, peace with God is possible, but only through Jesus Christ. That longing that you have, God has placed in you, and that longing is to drive you to Jesus. To acknowledge your desperate need of Him as Savior. Come today. Confess and, and look to Him alone. He can bring peace. Our response, just a couple aspects here I want to consider. One, we've, we've got to remember this. We cannot expect the peace of God in our lives until we have peace with God through Jesus. How often we want to say, God, we'd like your good gifts. We want all your blessings. We want to know what it's like to, to, to have peace in this world. And he is saying, everything is in my son. The whole gift is him. That's the peace you need. The peace of God, yes, it comes. But only when we have peace with God. The difference between of and with is massive. We need to consider first the vertical problem of peace before we'll ever understand or know or experience the joy of this kind of peace that he gives. And so I want to ask this morning, do you have peace with God? When you came in the building this morning to celebrate Christmas, can you say with confidence, it is well with my soul. I am at peace with my past. I am at peace in my present. I am at peace with death someday and whatever may come after that i am at peace because jesus is my lord my savior my confidence my joy do you have peace with god if you don't this christmas could change everything today it can all change here's what i would just implore you to do okay just just turn from your sin Turn from this darkness. Turn from all this rebellion and turn to Jesus. That's what repentance means. You're turning from and turning to. Trust Him as Savior and Lord. Put your trust in Him alone. You have to stop trying to be good enough. Just let Jesus be good enough for you. Let Him save you. Ask Jesus to come and lead your life. To be your King. To rule your life is Lord. Make Him your greatest treasure and your closest friend. He waits. He waits. And the invitation is there. Come. Come today. Come and live. Come and be forgiven. Come know joy and life forever. Come be free. Come know peace for those who would say, you know what, I, I, I do know Jesus as Savior and Lord. I'm confident that He is my, my peace. I do have peace with God. And yet, oh, it's hard. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm in a situation where I don't know what to do with my life. I'm, I'm uncertain about choices that I need to make. Or I'm in a situation where I, I've messed up horribly and I just need God's peace. What do I do? Oh, how many of us are regularly here? Right? Dealing with anxiety and worry and fear. Listen to this promise, this, this push of scripture in Philippians 4. Believer, do not be anxious about anything. Wow. Okay, just that's kind of expansive. Okay, at Christmas time, everyone's coming over. Includes all of that, everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, tell the Lord. Talk to Him. Make your request made known to God, your Father in heaven. Go to Him. And listen to this. Listen to this promise. And the peace of God, the the kind of peace that passes understanding, it goes beyond what makes sense. This kind of peace will come and will guard your heart and your mind. How? This peace also flows the same way. It's through Jesus Christ. He's our mediator. He is our hope. He is the good shepherd for which this church is named. Let's pray. Lord, we are so amazed that you would love us like this. Forgive us for downplaying how significant our rebellion is. Forgive us for minimizing our sins or referring to them with lesser than accurate description. Forgive us for not considering these weighty realities, but then just having our focus on all of this other distraction. Lord, call our attention to the things that are real and, and significant in life and in death. I thank you, Father, for the great love that you have lavished upon us by sending your Son this incredible Christmas gift. I thank you for the, the change that he makes in sinners to, to make them saints, to, to turn them from, from hell and, and to turn them to heaven, to, to adopt them as members of your family. Lord, Lord, All of this shows your value, your worth. We are so grateful. And we, by Jesus Christ and his work, can truly say, oh Lord, it is well with our soul. Oh, Father, if there be any here today, I pray, who who, who don't know you, Lord, even now, just prick their heart. Just convict them of their sin and turn them to Jesus, I pray. May you change them from within. And bring that peace that you promise through Jesus, the Savior of the world. It's in his name we pray. Amen.